When we fear God, it means that we respect God and we know inwardly that God is higher than any other thing. And when he gives us a word, we must not go against that word or opposite to that word. But we do everything possible to actually do the instruction given to us by God. For we know if we go in an opposite way, we will bring destruction upon ourselves. So regardless of what the instruction is, we who fear the Lord do the instruction. I was born again in 1975, and after that I was taken into heaven twice, transported into heaven in the night twice while I was sleeping. It was a spiritual experience. I didn't see any physical human being type people. It was totally spiritual. I knew I was with God. I knew I was with Christ. I knew I was with the Holy Spirit. And at that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, God and the Holy Spirit, witnessing. Two times this happened to me in the night, shortly after I was born again. I did not know what it meant. But as I continued to go to church and go to Bible classes and go to a prayer group, God began giving me things like word of knowledge, word of wisdom, gifts of the Holy Spirit. We are identified to the church by the gifts that God gives us. I watched Pam Paget for years. She was always helping people. She helped her neighbor, Jim, who was an older man. She helped a neighbor two doors north, an older woman. She was always helping people. It turned out that Pam had a gift of helps, which is listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 under the spiritual gifts. Start at verse 28. And God hath set some in the church to care for the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Helps is one of the spiritual gifts. By a man's gift, you will know him. And a man's gift will bring him before great men. It is that spiritual gift that God gives us that allows the church to see that we are of God and are brought by God. So I was born again in 1975, and for the next five years, I was instructed by God as I would read the Bible. He took me to 
every verse of Scripture in both the Old and New Testament that pertained to prophets. The church I was attending at the time believed that there were prophets. Some churches don't believe there are apostles, prophets today. But the church that I was attending believed there are prophets. We read in Ephesians chapter 4 that after Jesus arose, he gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's in Ephesians 4. So we see that after Jesus arose and set up the New Testament church from heaven, he gave that church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In the first years that I was a Christian, God taught me about the office of a prophet. He taught me by taking me to every example in the Bible of prophets and showing me clearly what they did and also showing me that there were prophets in the New Testament church. There are a great many prophets listed in the New Testament church in the book of Acts. Agabus was a prophet. Silas was a prophet who often traveled with Paul in the ministry work. One of the men named Judas was a prophet. This is not Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus. But Judas is listed as one of the New Testament prophets. I was trained by God through the Bible that prophets are often rejected by the church. The Jews were always trying to kill the prophets. And in the book of Ezekiel, there's one scripture where God said, I send you not to people of a strange language. If I sent you to them, they would accept you. But I send you to the children of Israel. And they will not accept you because they reject me. And today the same thing happens. People who are called Christians often reject the word of God from the New Testament Bible. Prophets are very often sent to them to try to turn them away from the way of the world and turn them back to the way of God. That is not at all unusual. And often they reject the message that comes to them through the prophet. There is a pastor in Colorado Springs where I live who contacted me after I sent a letter offering services to him. He contacted me and wanted me to come to see the new church he was building. The messages that I had for him would prepare the church for the coming of Jesus. But he was very involved in building a church building. And the more I talked to him by letter, by email, 
the more he withdrew from me. He wanted to build a new church building, and the message I had was preparing the congregation to leave this earth, to be taken into heaven by Jesus. That's very often the case where the churches are looking at things that can be seen upon this earth, and their goal is to do those things. But we are drawing near to the return of Jesus. And that is something that prophets will often be called upon by God to try to turn their attention to things of God, things of heaven, the new heaven and the new earth. A prophet must faithfully deliver each message that that prophet believes to be from God. In 1982, God spoke to me and said, The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. I didn't know anything was wrong. Basically, I didn't. Until I heard that message. And then God showed me several big-time radio television preachers who were doing various sins. But when I tried to get a message to them, I couldn't get the message to them because their workers intercepted the message and threw it away. So God persuaded me to go on my own radio broadcast, which were at that time from coast to coast in the United States, and to tell these judgments, naming the name of the minister naming him by name and tell what he had done. This was an extremely unpopular message with the churches who wanted to believe the best of their ministers. In a meeting in Seattle, at the door of the meeting room, the radio station manager was waiting for me to arrive. He had always been very friendly and supportive. But this time, he wasn't friendly. He began by saying, Joan, you know those messages that you've been speaking lately, those judgment messages? If you keep speaking those, I don't know what's going to happen to you. You have many good messages. Just speak those messages. But if you keep speaking these judgment messages... We may have to put you off the air. The Holy Spirit instantly rose up and gave me words to speak to George. And I said to George, George, if I don't speak the message that I believe to be from God, then I don't have a message and I may as well be off the air. Stop and think about that for a minute. If a minister comes before the church and withholds the message from God and substitutes that message to something popular, to what avail is that minister? 
Paul once said, Do I please men or God? If I yet please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's in Galatians chapter 1. My path was firmly set to speak all the counsel of God, to speak everything to the church that I believe I had heard from God at that time. As you speak what God wants you to speak, and you yield to the Holy Spirit, you lay down your life for that word. Because you know very well the person might not like that word that you've spoken. Here's an example of that. I was with my favorite aunt one day. She was a lifetime Church of Christ member. As we spoke, the Holy Spirit said to me, Tell your aunt about being taken into heaven. Oh, I didn't want to do that. Church of Christ members are not often receptive to supernatural things of God. But I have been trained to yield to the Holy Spirit and speak those things that I hear from Him. So I said, Aunt Artis, after I was born again in the night while I was sleeping, I was transported into heaven. I was with God. I was with Christ. I was with the Holy Spirit. I didn't see any images. It was a spiritual experience. At that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus, made one with the Word of God. A few nights later, the exact same thing happened to me again. I noticed as I spoke to my aunt that there was a dreamy look that came upon her face. When I had finished speaking, she said, Something like that happened to me once, and it was all golden. This was an aunt that other people in our family held as their gold standard, and they were afraid of what she might think. And they were always saying, what would Arta think about this? But I was never afraid of her, ever, not once. We were one spirit. She, too, had been taken into heaven, as I had. But what if I'd not yielded to the Holy Spirit and told her that story? I would have missed a great blessing. She would have missed a blessing because she probably has never told anyone that story before. So as we speak, we speak that which the Spirit of God in us brings to our mind. And we lay down our lives for Christ when we do that, and we lay down our lives for the other person when we do that. 
And this is what God has taught me to do. God put me on radio in 1980 to exhort the church. At that time, my pastor, Robert Tilton, came to me and told me that I needed to get with a man named Michael Ellison, who had an advertising agency, which big-time ministers were, were, they were his clients. He promoted their ministries. He helped them get the key times on radio broadcast and television. And Bob said to me, they can do a lot of good for you. So I managed to become a client of the Michael Ellison Advertising Agency. The first thing the Ellison agent said they wanted me to do was to print these words on all my written materials. Send me your prayer request. And I said, oh, I don't want to do that. And it shocked the agent. And he said, you don't? I said, no, they should pray. They pray to God through Jesus. And the agent was shocked when I said that. And he said, well, you're missing a good bet. For when they send prayer requests, they will usually slip some money into the envelope. It was a fundraising gimmick, but I never did that. At one point, they told me not to send the church any written materials without first sending the materials to the agency for editing. I told the agent I couldn't do that, that I must be free to speak the message that God gives me. Then they told me, don't speak anything on radio that might offend anyone. And I explained, I'm a prophet. Prophets often offend the church because the church are committing sins and God sends the prophet to try to correct them and turn them back away from their sins. After I told them that, they didn't want any more to do with me. So they told me that there were a certain number of clients that they were going to have to cut back and Unfortunately, I was one of them that they were not going to be able to represent. I really thought I'd failed. I knew they were promoting these big-time radio and TV ministers, and I just thought I'd failed. God brought me a scripture, Matthew 4, verses 8 through 10. Again, the devil taketh him, Jesus, up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And the devil said to Jesus, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, 
thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. We must speak the message that we believe to be from God. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul was speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus. Verses 26 and 27, Paul says, Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And that's what we must do. Whether we are a minister or an individual, when the Holy Spirit brings something to our mind and we are with another person, that's what we should speak. Often we know we will have to lay down our life to speak it because it might be unpopular. We take up our cross and we follow him each time we speak the thing the Holy Spirit wants us to speak. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today.